jump in. We're, I'm, I'm going to just hurry through. You just have to listen quickly this morning. To this week and next week, I'm, I'm, I'm lost in the richness and the sweetness of the word. I don't know how to explain it. Studying, setting the table. And the richness of Abraham and his story and how it impacts us. I don't know how to explain it. You ever been lost in the word? And go, oh, if you show me anymore, I don't know what I can do. It's that rich. It's like laying in a chair that you can, oh, there's something on this chair. And you get out of it and you're like, honey, try it. We got to buy this. Lay down in that. This, do you feel what I feel? Anybody ever been lost in the word like that? Like, God, it's like coming straight from his mouth to your ears, to your heart. I guess I'm the only one. So setting the table, I don't know what week it is, but we've been here for a week, a month and a half or so. And it's a, it's a series on worship. And I've told you, if, if you set the table, for him, he will come. You set the table in worship, he will come. You build a life of worship, he will come and he will bless your life. And this morning, I want to continue a three week section of this series that deals with the life of Abraham. And before you go, ah, Abraham, I've heard all about Abraham. Let me just remind you this isn't just another one of the patriarchs, this is the guy that God started with. And, and, and we see the first 11 chapters in Genesis, creation, Adam and Eve's sin, the fall, Noah, wickedness everywhere, build an ark, destroy everybody except one family, wickedness again, even Noah, come on, man. Then Tower of Babel in chapter 11, men trying to go, we can build our way, we can get to heaven with our, in our own strength. And God goes, that's it, reset. And then he goes, who can I use? And he goes in a podunk village and finds an old man married to a barren woman in a bad location with a, apparently somebody, a dad he needed to get away from and a family needed to get away from. And God goes, if you'll get out of here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reset with you. Don't hear, and Paul, don't think, well, Abraham's Old Testament. The New Testament refers to Abraham over and over and over. It says he's the father of our faith. We just said it, Galatians 3. We're of that seed. What God did in that man, we are the fruit of what God did in that man. And it's powerful to come to understand. So don't, don't write me off and go, ah, oh, we're going to talk about Abraham again. We're talking about you and God. That's what we're talking about. And so last week, you may remember, um, this week I want to talk to you about being altered by the altar. Building altars of worship that alters one's life. Anybody ever remember when you knelt and you built an altar and it, it changed your life forever? Anybody remember those times? Anybody remember that experience in your life? Well, that's what we need to do again and over and over and over again. Abraham built altars. An altar is a table or place which serves as a center of worship. 
or ritual, the definition is. To be altered is to be made different in some significant way. Speaking about altars, building places of worship, places where you set the table. One man said altars were places where the divine and human worlds interacted. Altars were places of exchange, communication, and influence. God responded actively to altar activity. And if you look in the Old Testament, of all the places of furniture in the tabernacle, the altar was the biggest. And what happened there is what got God's attention. What was offered up on the altar, God responded and then he came and altered. Last week, we looked at Abraham, we said, God's promise to him in those first three verses, God finds that old man in that bad place connected to those bad people married to that wrong woman. And the Lord said, get out. And we talked about it last week. Well, some of y'all were in this service, so you didn't hear me talk about it in the first and third service. But God said to him, it starts with, you got to leave here. And he would say to us today, there are people here. God is saying to you, you got to get out of that thought process. Maybe those relationships. That space is a place I can't do what I want to do in you. You're going to have to leave there. And the first thing God said to Abram was, get out. And then God says, I am going to make your name great, speaking of your character. God says, I'm going to work in your life that when people hear your name, they're going to go, wow. They're not going to go, wow, Abraham, what a dude. They're going to go, wow, Abraham, he served an incredible God. And then he says, God says, I, I am going to make you into nations. I know you're married to a lady and y'all haven't been able to produce. But those barren days are going to come to an end if you'll get out of here. And then he goes on and he says, I'm you got to leave your father, you got to leave your family, you got to leave this place, this geographical region, you can't be here. And he says, and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you so much. Hear me, brothers and sisters. I'm going to bless you so much that the leftover in your life is going to bless other people. And then here's the protection, the commitment he makes to you and me. God says, the people who bless you, there's going to be so much favor on your life. The people who bless you, I will bless. The people who don't bless you, I won't bless them. In fact, I'll curse them. And then the last thing God says in verse 3, he says this. All the families in the earth will be blessed through you. That's an audacious promise and covenant. And here we sit today, the fulfillment of that promise to that old man in the wrong place, connected to the wrong people, married to the wrong person. And here we sit as children of Abraham. Now, how many of you say, God made his name great? Come on, how many of you, do you acknowledge what we're talking about? Come on, right now, just shake off religious, I'm sitting down, this is my time to rest, and hear a good sermon. No, we need more than that. God wants to speak to us. We need an anointed word of God. The Bible says man does not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. 
not proceeded, not will proceed, but man lives by what God is saying. How many of you need God to say something today so you can stay alive? Come on, are you out there? How many of you are hungry to hear a message, not a sermon, in the name of Jesus? And so that's the promise that we pick up on. And I just want to, again, point you. Everybody look here. This is how God works. It's a life of the Old Testament. This is how God started the whole thing. And notice in verse 1 it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, get out. Then God finished speaking in those three verses. And the next verse describes Abram's response. Verse 4, it says, after God said, get out, the next verse says, so Abram got out as the Lord had told him. Everybody listen. This is where your spiritual vitality, this is where your faith starts. You learn to hear God speak, and then you obey it. And then God confirms his word and blesses you. And you go, wow, it's true. Wow, I didn't realize it'd be that good. And then there's, there's residual impact and outflow. You can't contain it all. The Lord spoke, get out. Abraham got out and God began to bless him and fulfill his promise. So I pray, as I teach you, you've got to learn to hear what God is saying, the voice of the Lord. And then the Holy Spirit will enable you, empower you to obey that word. Now, as we come to this week and we look at this aspect of Abram's life, Abram, exalted father. Later, his name would change to Abraham, father of many and we come just down a couple verses from where we ended last week in verse 4. Look what it says in verse 6. And the Canaanites were in the land, Genesis 12, verse 6. The very next verse says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. Did you notice that? There are Canaanites in the land. This is the most barbaric, paganistic, corrupt, evil culture ever in the history of the earth. God, the Bible says there are liberals in the land. <laughs> There's some pro-choicers here, the nice word. There's some people who will protest for the murdering of children. There's some people that don't think like us, and they are evil. And the Bible says, the next verse, God says, this is the place. It's how God works. So what do we do? There are Canaanites, Jebusites, Amalekites, evil people who are willing to sacrifice children. Evil people. You get ready next week. I know we're getting ready for election season. I know many of you had voted. And you're, you're wondering, is Pastor Chuck going to weigh in again? Well, yes, I am. Because we're going to talk about what did Abraham do when he, when he learned. Hold on. Hey, he, he learned, oh, Lot chose to go to a place. And when Abraham learned what was going on there, 
He went to interceding and he got involved. And you, you, we're foolish if we think our religion is so pretentious that we, we stay out of politics. We're not talking about politics as usual. And I'm not talking about political parties. If you think either party has the answer, you're wrong. We get to choose the lesser between two evils. And sometimes we don't have a good option for any office. But we got to get engaged. We got to speak the prophetic word of the Lord in, the, in this hour. And for pastors to be shrinking back, afraid to mention things like abortion, and calling out the National Education Association, and them deprogramming and reprogramming our children. If you think I'm going to sit down in a lily-white suburban community and go, hey, our church is growing, my heart breaks for what's happening in this nation. And we should rise up and declare, hold on, listen, Charlotte Gamble, I don't know if you listened to her, a little sassy, blonde-headed preacher in London. If you don't, don't start listening to her now, but wait till you get home. She said, God's moving in her church in, in London, England. And she said, what is a prophetic voice that will declare the word of God? What the crazy, chaotic darkness needs is the word of God that says, let there be light. Let there be life. Come on, somebody. Praise your name, Jesus. If we don't say it, it's true. It's in here. But our, our role is to speak the word of God. No matter the cost. Don't shrink back. We just sang, if you put me in the fire, I'm going to rejoice because you're there too. If you kill me, I'll just rejoice because I know the resurrection, the tomb is empty. I'm just moving to the next dimension of eternal life with you. Don't get me started. I feel his presence, his anointing in this place. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? Where was I? Go back to Abraham. Canaanites were in the land. The Lord, you got to see, this is Abram going. He, they left Ur, the Chaldeans. He and Sarah, his nephew Lot, for some reason, wanted to go with them. And, and they had a bunch of livestock, coin. And then they, they leave not knowing where they're going. And they get to a place, and he hears the Lord say, this is the place. And Abraham probably had to, Sarah, stop now. He just said, this is it. He just said, this is it. In, in your life, oh, just, Holy Spirit, just pray for me. I just, the, the leadership of what God wants to say, I want to be sensitive to it. There, there needs to come a time in your life where you hear God go, this is it. This is the space, the place for me to do what I want to do in you. And you got to stay there. Years ago, before we were ever even being considered to come back here and partner with Pastor Mon and Linda and, and to assume the leadership of this church, they were on their vacation, uh, celebrating their anniversary. And he asked me to speak in his behalf. And I hadn't been back to this church in years. And we sat right down here in the first worship song. There was just a handful of people here at that time. You, we weren't expecting God to speak. I came to speak for God. In the first worship song, I went to my knees and I heard the Lord say, 
this is your land, and these are your people. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way like, hey, this is my place and y'all are mine. It was, the Lord was saying, this is your next assignment. It didn't look like an assignment. I wouldn't have chosen it. But the Lord said, this is it. And he said, and these are the people you are to partner with for this next season of life. And I'll tell you, early on in those early years, there were moments I, I doubted that. But I clung to it. And in, the, in this room right now, I feel Holy Spirit. Some of you youngsters, the Lord's wanting to speak to you about your assignment, your place, your purpose, like he did for Abraham. And so we see in verse 10, it says this. Now, there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down to Egypt. Everybody look right here. Now, not only are there liberals, socialists, People not like me in the land. Now the economy's gone bad. And the Bible says there was not just a famine, it was a severe famine. Have you ever been in the wrong place, it looks like? At the wrong time? How many of you know, though, when you build an altar, the wrong place and the wrong time becomes the right place and the right time? Y'all are not out there. I just said a good something for you to say amen to. And so Abraham builds an altar. He builds four altars. We're going to talk about them real quick. First altar he builds is in verse 7. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give the, this land. And there he built an altar who had appeared to him. Altar number one is you accepting God's promise. Now everybody look here. When God speaks to you about what he wants to do in your life, you are going to go, oh. there's a natural humility to you, no matter what season you are in. Hear me, your plan for your life is not nearly as good as God's plan for your life. And so when he speaks his plan, there will be a natural, and there's a shyness and almost reluctance. And I, this is the heart of my ministry, me helping people go, no, you're living beneath your privileges. The impossible is possible with our God. Don't let anything limit you. This is, and in this, this first altar, this is Abraham going, God, you said this is the land. There's a famine going on, and there's Canaanites here. But if you call it the place, I can't go back. I left. You said get out. I got out. Here I am. And it's in when you build an altar and you begin to set the table, God does something in you. Your heart, your faith increases. You begin to go, I, I think it could happen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You begin to worship. You sing words like we just sang. And you go, God, maybe you, I think you. And, and then not only do you begin to go, it's possible. You begin to go, oh. I'm anticipating it. I'm expecting it. I gotta save my voice. I gotta preach one more time. But hear me. This is what happens when you worship. You start going, I see it. It's not there, but I see it. Anybody pick? Is this the God we serve? Is this the God of the empty tomb? Is this the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? 
Yes, it is. And so Abram built an altar and said, I accept that. The second altar was Abraham getting stuck between the promise given and the promise received. Genesis 12, 8 and 9 says, And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed. He kept on going. Sometimes you don't want to keep on going. He kept on going, going on still. Toward the south he went. He kept moving. And he built an altar. What's this altar about? It's the altar between God promised me something, but he hadn't fulfilled it yet. And this is where we spend most of our time. And we go, I, rec- I, I believed it. And then the days turn into weeks, and the weeks turn into months, and the months turn into, God, are you sure? Where are you? And this is where many of us are stuck. A real promise from a real God that we really received. And now we're out here on thin ice. And what do you do when God is slower than you thought he was going to be? You build an altar. And the Bible says here he called on the name of the Lord. Everybody hear me. This isn't a man going, hey, I'm a carpenter. Let's build something for posterity's sake. People will come one day and they'll, they'll realize we... We marked our land. Here's a landmark. This is not what, when the we missed this in the story. In 11 chapters, the story of Abraham, nearly a dozen times it says, Abram built an altar. And here it says, he called on the name of the Lord. What do you do when you're between and you're losing hope and you're getting older, not younger? What do you do when the marriage got worse and you claimed it? What do you do when it looks like it's gone, but it's not? What do you do? You build an altar. The Bible says that Abraham called on the name of the Lord. That is him going, I call you out into your character. I remind you of your promises to me. I remind you and I remind me of how great you are, how real you are. You spoke to me. I heard you with my own two ears. I left my father. I left and here I am. You begin to do, you worship through the doubt, worship through the pain, and watch God resurrect your faith. Are y'all out there this morning? Come on, if you're going to clap for him, do it like you mean it. Somebody needs to know, worshiping when you don't feel feel like it is some of your best worship. Worship when you don't have an obvious reason to worship is the most sacrificial, and it enables you in the in between time, it's not a high point, it's not a low point. There just seems to be, hear me somebody, no point. What's the point to this? And you choose to worship, and God empowers your faith. You call on his name, and he goes, yep, that's who I am. Yep, you just hold on. Are y'all out there this morning? Somebody's stuck right there. You need to build an altar and call on the name of the Lord this morning. Thirdly, now this is where it gets really interesting. Because there were Canaanites and there was a famine, the Bible says that Abram went down to Egypt. How many of you know the people of God, they never went up to Egypt. Egypt is always down below 
their space, their place, their purpose, their calling. And Abram shouldn't have left. He went to a place God had not approved. Hear me. And when you go to places outside of God's space for you, the temptation to compromise is almost irresistible. You get in the wrong place, the wrong stuff will come out of you in that place. And that's exactly what Abram did. He went down to Egypt in the famine. You can understand why he went, but he got too far in the in-between and lost his focus. And he went in and he looked at Sarah and goes, Sarah, you're my best asset. They're going to want you. Here's a plan. You tell them you're my sister, would you? All right, that's what you think. I just... You think they'll still find me attractive? I reckon so. <laughs> and Pharaoh wanted her. And Abram set it up. Have a selfish husband going, I want my hide protected. God called me, and I'll sacrifice you. And when, when Abram woke up to his compromise, and it was God that woke him up, you read the story. God blessed them, and God revealed to Pharaoh, hey, you don't need to be touching that man's wife. And Pharaoh's like, oh. he goes, Abram, why didn't you tell me she's your sister? And the Bible says, Pharaoh, this is even the picture of Satan going to the man of God. Get out. Do you hear that? Two people have said to him, get out. One of them was God, and now even the enemy is telling him the word of God. You've got to get out of here. You're in the wrong place. Get back up there. Anybody picking up what I'm putting down? And so what happens? The third altar is this. Returning to the start. Look what it says in verses 1 through 4. Then Abram went up from Egypt to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Everybody look at me right here. Some of you right now, you, you're, you're stuck with Abram, shame, guilt. He began to rehearse, rehearse. What in the world have I done it, but thank God he goes back up from Egypt and he finds that old original first altar he built and there he worshiped, set the table for he and God to come back into relationship and God restored him and his purpose. There's somebody here this morning. You've gone down to a place of compromise. Maybe your marriage has crumbled. But now what you're using to medicate your pain is making it worse. And the Lord is saying, come back. Return to me, the prophet says, and I will be merciful. I will be merciful and gracious to you. Anybody picking up what I'm putting down? I feel the Holy Spirit just speaking in this room. The last and final altar is this one. Supersizing your idea of God's plan for you. Look here. Um, you remember Supersize, right? Remember before um, Chick-fil-A took over the fast food world and people actually went to a McDonald's and ate their food? Remember that? I know it was a long time ago. And you'd walk in and the sweet little teenager would say, would you like to supersize that? It's just $1.14 more. And they said it to you like, I can't turn down 2,100 calories for just $1.14. Sure, supersize me. 
you know? And, and now you go into Chick-fil-A, and, and they're so much more clever. And they go, would you like a regular size or just a small? And you're like, I don't want just anything. I'm here at Chick-fil-A. Give me the regular. And they go, my pleasure, you know? <laughs> and you eat those waffle fries, and it, you're like, oh, y'all should supersize it. And you're like, we did. We just called it regular. <laughs> you know, this, this, next, this next altar is God saying to Abraham, you're thinking too small. You don't understand. Oh, I'm about to bust. Every, there's nobody, in, there is nobody in this room who is thinking over your life as big as God is thinking over your life. Not one person. Not one person. This is God's word. So look what he says to Abram. Uh, what the word says, verses 14 through 18. And the Lord said to Abram, lift your eyes now and look. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. This is, look, then Abram moved his tent and built an altar there to the Lord. What is happening here? This is God going, Abram, I'm so glad you came back. But i got to remind you, this plan is bigger than you originally thought. And this is God going, Abram, follow me. Hear me. Remember that land where Abraham goes, Sarah, he just, this is it. And they thought, oh, look around. And now God is saying, I'm glad you came back. And let me tell you one other thing. In between the third and the fourth altar, Abram said to Lot, hey, you got too many cattle. You got too many people working in your crew. Your people, my people need a little elbow space. And, and we know this, Abram was getting the name great because he was having character. And he said to his young nephew Lot, and he goes, hey, Pick which way you want. You want that place? If you go that way, I'll go this way. If you want that side, I'll, I'll go this side. And Lot, the young, naive nephew that he was, he looked over in the Jordan Plain, the Bible says, where all the, 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 the trees were greener and there was more promise and there was a strong place for economy. And he goes, I want that. And Abram says, all right, hear me. Lot chose what looked best, but it moved him to a place where the best was actually the worst place for him to be. And when Abram's going, oh, man, somebody in my family made a choice that now limits my options. And God immediately says to him, Abram, don't feel like you missed out. Follow me. And this is God saying, he took him all over that And Abram had to be going, he was seeing places in the place he had never seen. And God was saying, look at all this. There's somebody here today. Somebody in your family made a choice. And you think, oh, my opportunity is gone. I'm limited now. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to you through your pastor to say, no, God has come to supersize your expectations. I'm going to say it again. He's come 
to break off that limited mindset, that religious, ho-hum, predictable, I've been here before, I know the land, I know the geography, I can see what all's mine. God's coming in and going, follow me. And right here, Abram built an altar. And he said, oh God, supersize my faith. Are y'all out there? And then here's the last thing I want to say. I'm going to open up these altars for you to come and get altered. Is God speaking to anybody this morning? So, what are altars made of? How do you, Pastor Chuck, that's cool. He built an altar. What's that mean? It's not a landmark. What's it mean? You build a place to worship where you can call on the name of the Lord. I want dads especially to listen to me. Have you built an altar at your home with the liberals, Canaanites, socialists, communists, fake news coming in? Have you built an altar to go, they're not in control? I'm, I'm, I'm getting graphic. And if you, again, I said it earlier. Some of you may be, if, if we can get some help here, we need everybody to stay focused. In the, name, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, take a seat. In the name of Jesus, thank you. Look right here. This is how important this word is. We don't have a politician that can fix it. That's why we build an altar. Some of you are already voted early. We're going to vote next week. We're going to be responsible patriots. But we don't have an answer. So we build an altar. And we call them. Hey, dads, have you built an altar? What's that like? Have you just gathered the kids up? And have they heard you call on the name of the Lord? When's the last time your children heard you pray? That's what it is to set the table. To build a life. To build an altar and call on the name of the Lord. Look here, brothers. What are altars made of? We've come to learn this. They're made of rocks, hard stuff, chipped, broken stuff. And you pile them up. And you can go, I, I'm not building an altar of my hard stuff. I've been through. Keep carrying it then. It gets heavy. And you look funny after a while. You, it messes your whole posture up because you're just carrying it. You can take that hard stuff you're going through right now and go, that hard, rough, broken stuff and just pile it up and make it an altar. And that's what God's calling us to this morning. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you're here today, you need to accept the promise. If you're here today going, I'm stuck in the in-between. The promise was made, but I haven't seen it fulfilled. Or you're stuck going back in shame and regret, returning to the Lord, you're going, I need to come back to that altar and renew my faith and call on the name of the Lord. And there are many, I'm one of them, the Lord is saying, oh, I've got to supersize your faith. you got a little medium, a little small. Y'all out there. This is why Paul in the New Testament said he's the father of our faith. This is why Paul said to the Ephesians, let me tell you, he's able to do more than you can ask, think, dream, or imagine. According to the power that's at work in you. 
This is why Paul said to the Corinthians, no eye, nobody's ever seen. It hadn't even entered, nobody's ever heard. It hadn't even entered into the heart of man what God can do. But he's revealing it to us by his spirit. If you're here today and you go, one of those four altars, I, I got to come back. I got to rebuild that altar and call on the name of the Lord. Stand right now where you are. Stand in the name of Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Come on, stand. I'm going to ask you to do another thing. We're going to just, we're going to make concessions. I can't close this service without asking you to come. Everybody look. You go, what's the deal about going down to the altar? So you can be altered. We come to the altar, and in the Old Testament, they say, grab hold of the horns of the altar. Why? So that nothing can pull you away from it. We'll talk about that some next week. And you'll go, I'm, I'm clinging to his mercy. And in the New Testament, who is the altar? Jesus, the mercy seat. If you're standing, you're going, I, I need to come, I need to rebuild an altar. I want you to come meet me here in this altar real quick. Just come in Jesus' name. If the rest of you will stand as we sing. And don't. be magnified oh, come on this is a season of awakening this is a time of consecration our nation needs needs us in the name of Jesus let grace flow let grace flow in the name of Jesus crowd all the way in if you will and just begin to lift your hands and right there where you are tell the Lord Make it personal between you and him. In the name of Jesus, God bless all of these young people coming. In the name of Jesus, supersize our faith, our expectations. Do the impossible in the name of Jesus. Christ be magnified in me. Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. this a personal one-on-one -on -one experience with every person in this altar right now Lord and I ask Father that you would do what you did to Abraham speak if you're saying get out may we hear you if you're saying return to me if you're saying I want to supersize your faith if you're saying in the in-between place may we keep doing what Abraham did journeying on onward to the south take us to the north south east and north help us see all the possibilities lord all the availability in your kingdom 
I just say no to limited faith in this room. I say no to all, the way you've always thought. I say no to your religious low-level expectation. I say no to your orphaned mentality that you think God's good stuff is for somebody else. I say to you, you are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen generation. You are a son and a daughter of God. In the name of Jesus, we break off everything that limits. We come against generational consequences, bondage, things we learned from our mother and our father, things are out, hear me, outlooks where our mother was just always so pessimistic. The glass was always half empty. Our father, who never said, I'm proud of you. Our father, who turned to alcohol instead of you. Our father, who thought he could do it all in his own strength, who walked in pride and arrogance, and it left us feeling like we're less than, like we're outcasts, and we can't understand, Father God. We say no to all of those generational lies, and we, we say no. For the church we went through and the pastor fell into immorality. And we don't trust spiritual leadership. And we understand it. There's a famine in the land. There are Canaanites. We say yes to restored trust. Not only in spiritual authority, but in you, oh God. We say yes to you and building altars and calling on the name of the Lord and entering into possibilities where we feel like, ah, we're not qualified, we're not adequate. You say we are called and you will make us adequate in the name of Jesus. I wish I could speak and prophesy to every person in this altar because God is making your experience with him today real. He's come to you right where you are in your situation and he's saying, I will make your name great. I will bless you. I will make you into nations. I will bless those who bless you. I will protect you. And what's the last thing? Everybody hear me. The last thing God said in verse 3 of chapter 12, he said to Abraham, I will bless every family in the earth through you. The Lord would say, the whole community, people you don't even know, have not met and never will, they're going to be blessed through you, your children, your faith, your church, in the name of Jesus. Are y'all out there picking up what God is putting down? If you receive it this morning, come on, lift up a shout. Lift up a shout of praise and faith. Hallelujah. We magnify you, Jesus. We magnify you, Jesus. Christ be magnified.
lot of praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We praise you, Lord God. We praise you, Lord God. We praise you, Lord God. Praise your name, Jesus. I want to ask you, I just I want to tell you, I feel God is calling us in this season. We, Candace and I covet your prayers because I, when I worship and pray, I see what God is doing. It's incredible. Somebody asked me this week, or it was about a week and a half ago, they said, Pastor Chuck, have you always preached like this? And, and a, a person in that circle who's known me, he said, he's preached like this for 30 years. We, we now have ears to hear. I was a prophetic new wine for old cracked wineskins in the 90s and early 2000s. I traveled all over the world preaching to people that didn't want to hear what I had to say. And I thank God for the awakening that's happening. But Candace and I covet your prayers because there is great destiny and purpose on you as a group. I, we get calls every week from somebody going, my cousin's in Orlando. Is there a restoration in Myrtle Beach? We're looking for a church. Like People are looking for what you have, Amen. what we have together. And it's for such a time as this. The time, the time is short, brothers and sisters. The time is short. But he is faithful. And we're not going to shrink back. We're going to build altars. We're going to call on the name of the Lord. And let whatever happens, happens. If we set the table, he's coming. We build a church of worship, he is coming to bless this place. Can I get a witness? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. And on your children and your children's children in such a time as this. In great darkness, may he raise up sons and daughters of great light and anointing. Daniels, Ruths, Esthers, Davids in Jesus' name. And no Jonas. Amen. 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 God bless y'all. Have a great afternoon. Love you.